This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Bored of too many ads and dull, meaningless chat? We've got neither. Joy Drive. Smart, fun radio. Now, what can I sort of say? Taylor Swift has said via X, formerly Twitter, that 288,000 Melbourne fans are the love of my life after performing her biggest shows ever at the MCG. Her popularity continues to grow, so much so that we've had academics study her and even held a swift posium. Music journalists also continue to write about her unparalleled level of support. But what role are her fans playing in keeping that momentum of support going? Gender, sexuality and pop culture. There isn't much Lauren Rosewarne doesn't know. And if she doesn't, we'll make it up. Lauren, good afternoon. Hello, Con. Thanks for having me. Now, there's a beautiful photo on one of the news sites of a group of Swifties swapping friendship bracelets at the Eras Tour. And I think there's more than just one beautiful photo. There's probably stacks of them after the weekend that we've had. There's, yes. this, there's this kind of interaction happening between people independent of Taylor Swift. What does it sort of signify about being a Swiftie? Yeah, so it seemed to be that there's got to be something more that gets their fans into Taylor or gets fans into Taylor Swift than just her music. That's not me saying she doesn't have mm. talent, of course. Talent, though, is subjective, as is taste. So why are there so many performers who come and go, who never, ever make the imprint she has made? And part of the thinking from people who study her is that her interactions with fans and cultivating relationships where they feel that they have have a shared history with her make them not only liking her music but passionate about her and feeling like they're in a community and that idea of feeling connected to others based on not only a shared taste in music but a shared history with these people seems to be part of the glue that means that you can go up to a complete stranger at a Mm. concert and want to share a bracelet with them and feel like you've got something more than just being in the same place at the same time. And the thing is, it's not. We're not talking about bracelets. Like I'm just going to buy a stack of them from a local discount store. People no, actually they make. Yeah, they've they're made the, I mean, they're, them. They've put like a lot of thought and application of like, hey, the names of songs or the artist or what it resonates with. It's love or passion or you know togetherness. It's just like it's just like it's not like I'm just going to sort of like grab a few and just pop in my bag and just hand them out. Well, interesting, in Melbourne there were restrictions on how many you could bring, but in the overseas concerts they were bringing bags. (laughs) They were actually using these things, I think they call it a carbiner, a kind of clip, yeah, Yeah. and they use these to sort of attach their clothes with dozens of these bracelets, and it's such a part of this... I don't know, it almost seems a little bit homespun, doesn't it? This sort of quaint idea of massive groups of girls doing this sort of crafting activity that hadn't been seen, you know, really since other generations ago. And it feels like, though, that's also part of Taylor's brand. It's a little bit daggy. You know, she talks a lot about her cats and her tea. And, yes, she's this massive global celebrity with her own private jet, but she also feels very accessible to these fans and worth connecting over. 
Yeah, I suppose I could sort of also throw into the mix that she has been around for a fair few years. So people have come on this journey with her. I hate using that word, yes. this journey with me. Come on this journey with me. It's like Well, they feel like they've got a stake in her success yes. as well. And that idea of cult, I think you could kind of say there's some parallels there with Justin Bieber mm. because they've both got their sort of YouTube start. So that idea of knowing her before she was filling out 96,000-person stadiums but rather knowing her when she was a country and western star or country star who ended up on Ellen DeGeneres and, you know, got a career there and was sort of geeky and now has become this. There's a feeling like I've been there on this ride and I have insider knowledge. And she does this very masterfully, not only engaging with fans on social media because lots of celebrities try and do this, but also having, you know, the private listening parties and picking fans to meet them personally at, at, at the concerts and this idea of sort of her constantly investing in this feeling that there are shared relationships here, that they go two ways, not just one. Mm. I'm chatting with Associate Professor Lauren Rosemont from the University of Melbourne about the phenomenon that was over the weekend south of the border, which is Victoria, and now is north of the border. That's Taylor Swift and all that comes with it. Um, now, something I want to lean into what you mentioned about um, social media. A lot of the fans have grown up with social media and we're all too well aware of how isolating that can be. Has the Taylor Swift phenomenon occurred at a time when there's a vulnerability in people and a heightened need then to belong, bringing everyone yeah. together in this opportunity when she does tour? Yeah, look, I think that there is a definitely an element to this. Look, research time and time and time again shows that more than any other period in history, we're feeling lonelier. Now, that could be because we're documenting our loneliness through social media, mm. but researchers seem to indicate even when they talk to us and people who aren't on social media, people feel more isolated. Look at ABS data that suggests there are more single-person households than ever before. Now, something, though, that's also happened in the last few years is a lot of these fans of hers would have been would have done their schooling online, right? So being separated from their peer groups. So social media, physically separated. So social media steps in and f fills, helps fill that gap, for, particularly for mm -hmm. people who are very online. And I think that's also a key part of this story, their connection to each other at a really formative time. Yeah, there's even the trans woman, Amanda Simone, has told the ABC News that Taylor and her music and the community that I've been part of actually really helped me find my way through my identity. So it's not only talking about a particular demographic of being an age-related thing, but also people trying to find themselves, who they are, and coming yeah. out to the world. So, I mean, there's a powerful impact that Taylor Swift has on people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also that idea as well. Fandom is generally not something you experience mm. across the life course. It's largely concentrated in the time of life when you're having a lot of emotions for the first time. And that also connects people because it's a time of life where you go through first in terms of milestones. And I think that's also... Again, shared experience of doing it with other people in a similar position as well. Um, I was going to sort of talk about something that we raised a few weeks ago, uh, looking at the powerful or potential impact, I should say not powerful, potential impact Taylor Swift could have on people who vote, particularly, of course, in one of those big countries that we're going to be listening a lot about, uh, the US presidential election. Do you think the Taylor Swift phenomenon could be the reset that we need right now? Because there's, it's a bit messy what's going on there and we're yeah, thinking of potential what could happen. Yeah, I mean, in one sense, you could say her ability to uh, invigorate or mm. reinvigorate the youth vote is definitely there. 
But is she going to attach her brand and waste? Oh, yes. I don't want to use the word waste. That's a, a strong <laughs> word. But squander politi- you know, uh, capital yeah. that you've got yeah. on a candidate who's 81 years old. And mm. that's no doubt a calculation that her team need to manage I, or, or, or make. I suspect she's probably more so going to advocate on issues around the election. You know, for example, women's reproductive health. Not necessarily saying vote v- Biden, but saying the these issues matter. That, to me, seems like a safer approach. I love it. Um, I think I'm trying to quite, I mean, yes, we've talked about telescopes and the impact it's had and the fans. What's the sort of, I mean, you mentioned Justin Bieber mm. and the role Beyonce that- Beyonce and the Beehive is another example of long careers with fans that have felt, I think the Beyonce fans skew a little older than Taylor Swift fans, but nonetheless, that same sentiment yeah. of having been on a decades-long journey with an artist. Yeah, no. Well, Lauren, I can say thanks again and catch you next oh, week. Thank you for having me, Con. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Looking forward to it. That's Associate Professor Lauren Roseman from the University of Melbourne. Joy Drive on Joy 94.9 FM in Melbourne, Joy on your digital radio, iHeartRadio, tunein.com or the Joy app. No matter where you are. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.